Author Media presents Novel Marketing, the longest-running book marketing podcast in the world. This is the show for writers who want to build their platform, sell more books, and change the world with writing worth talking about. I'm your host, the professor of book marketing, Thomas Umstead Jr., and today we're going to talk about how to get more Amazon reviews for your book. The more reviews you have, the more books you sell, which gives you more reviews. This is a virtuous cycle that you want to be part of because the opposite is also true. The less reviews you have, the less sales you get, and the less reviews you get. So getting reviews is critical to your success as an author, especially for indie authors who uh, where most of their books are selling through Amazon. So that review count and that review rating is right there uh, on your book pages and when your book is listed. And our guest today is one of the top experts on book reviews. Uh, he is the founder of the Author Marketing Club, the former host of the Somewhere Book Show, and the current host of the Unskippable Podcast. Jim Kukrell, welcome to the Novel Marketing Podcast. Hey, it is my pleasure to be here today. I'm very excited to talk about reviews, and I'm a big fan of your show, so thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's fun talking to you because I've had your voice in my head for <laughs> years <laughs> listening to your show, and uh, we're now finally joining forces to do an episode together. I hear that all the time, especially when I meet people in person, like at conferences, and they're like, oh my God, I feel like I know you. <laughs> and I know a lot of people are looking forward to this topic because a lot of authors struggle to get book reviews. Why is it so hard to get book reviews? Okay. So there's a bunch of reasons, right? And I'll just kind of quickly go through them. Uh, number one, you know, these are in no order. The people who read books, you know, they just read for entertainment. They, you know, they're not in it to leave book reviews, right? You, you read a vampire book and you're like, oh, you know, that, that was fun. They feel no obligation to leave a review. It's a it's a uh, exchange. They paid for it. They read it. They're done, right? Number two, uh, people don't know how to leave reviews, right? It's just a foreign concept to a lot of people, right? They just they just don't know how to click a button. They don't. They, you're like, oh, really? People don't know how? Yeah, they they've never done it. And number three, they don't know what to say, and or they're just not interested in doing it, right? You know, it's not like everybody who reads it's going to be like, oh, I need to go leave a review. You have to prompt them into that. And that's what we'll talk about today. So uh, to expound on that point, though, people don't know what to write. Remember, they're not writers, right? <laughs> so ask, you know, Joe Plummer, who just read your, you know, nonfiction book to leave a review. First of all, he doesn't know how. He doesn't have the expectation that he has to. Plus, he has no idea how to write. He's not a writer. So he's got to go in now, figure out how to do it, then figure out something pithy and nice to write, right? And that's a big barrier of entry to getting reviews, which is why most people don't leave, leave reviews, those reasons. Yeah, that's really good because, you know, a handful of people leave a lot of reviews, right? There's a certain kind of reader who's like a compulsive review writer and they have to re leave a review for every book they read. But that is a tiny, tiny fraction of readers. And I would venture to guess the majority of book readers have never left a single review one single time. <laughs> like they've never done it. And, you know, just like most podcast listeners don't uh, leave reviews for their podcasts. I know you've seen this with your show. You can get hundreds of thousands of downloads and have only a tiny fraction of reviews. It's the same with readers. So what are some of your strategies for helping readers overcome those obstacles and help them leave that very first review? Well, there's a couple different strategies. We can, we can talk about the launch strategy of your book here in a minute, which I have a really good system for how to get reviews when you launch a book, right? But we can talk about some basic strategies right now 
of prompting people to book, uh, to leave a review, right? So you have to ask for them, right? <laughs> I, if you, uh, if, if a thousand people read your book, you're going to be lucky to get, you know, 1% of them to leave a review organically. But if you prompt people to leave a review and you give them a personal plea to ask them to do it, that rate will go up from, you know, 1% to 5%, right? Which is, can be a world of difference, right? So here's how I do it. At the end of every single book that I write, and, and by the way, for people who are listening, I write nonfiction books, uh, entrepreneurial mindsets, you know, small business type of books, okay? At the end of every single book, I just ask them nicely, right? I'm like, hey, did you enjoy what you just read? Well, you know what? Reviews are the lifeblood for people like me who write books like this. They help people. I'm just asking, would you please just go to wherever you bought it right now and take one minute and just leave a review, good or bad? Obviously, I'd prefer it if you left a nice one. <laughs> but go and leave a review. And, and when you ask in a nice way, right, and you explain yourself, you know, that reviews are important they help me continue to get my work out into the world. And if you really enjoyed this, that's all I'm asking. Would you please leave a review? And that will get you a bump in reviews. And you're talking about having a letter to the reader kind of a after the, the end of your story. It's, a, it's the story's ending, and then there's a letter to the reader, and you've got two or three paragraphs there where in your voice, you're not having like one of your characters say, please leave a review for the author. Uh, although I imagine that, you know, if you could work that into your story without it feeling contrived, it might be very <laughs> very effective. But you're talking about, like, in your own voice as the author being like, hey, please leave me a review. Yeah, so I'll actually bring up uh, what I say at the end of my latest book, Unskippable, here. And I'm just scrolling through Vellum here to get to my last page here because I want to show you. Yeah, and real quick, wh while you're doing that, Vellum is a tool for typesetting a book. It's one that I recommend. It makes it really easy to make both the print version and the ebook version. So if you're indie publishing, you really owe it to yourself to use Vellum. They're not a sponsor. They just make really good software. And the other thing that I like about Vellum is that it makes it really easy to make the typeset version of your book. So you can link directly to Amazon if you want people to leave a review on Amazon. But don't do that. And, and here's why you don't do that, because the other retailers get mad well, that's what I was about to say. You make a different version for each retailer. So you make an iBooks version. Yeah, do that or just say leave a review wherever you bought it from, right? Because I did that once and uh, like Kobo and everyone else is like, we're not going to publish your book because you're linking to Amazon. So here's what I say. As soon as I get to the end, right? I said, if you love this book or even just liked it a little, now is the time where I would ask you to please go and leave a review wherever you bought it. Or if you got a free copy, please do the same. Reviews are the lifeblood of books like this, and I would consider it a personal favor. And then on, in the Unskippable book, I wrote this. I'm on a quest to get 500 reviews of this book, and I can only do it with your help. And then I say, I would also ask you to share the book with your followers on social media, you know, and, and that. I even give out my personal cell phone number in the book, and I say, text me after and tell me what you think about the book. So that's another tactic we can talk about, too, here as well. So I guess my point is, ask for it and be nice about it and don't beg for it, but just tell them how important it is. 
That is a really powerful technique. And what's great about it is that it's not a lot of work, right? You do the work one time to make the letter, or if you're going wide and you want to do the extra work to make a custom letter for each bookstore, you know, you do it one day, right? You hunker down with with your typesetting program like Vellum and you make it and then you're done. It's not like any other kind of marketing where you have to keep up with it. So this is, I feel like, non-optional, the strategy of putting a letter to the uh, to the reader at the end. Whether you're traditionally published or indie published, there's no cost to you. It doesn't like hurt your reputation and it really does make a difference in the number of reviews you get. Now, my question though is for the author who's just getting started and they're like, I would love people to read to the end and then leave a review, but I'm having trouble getting those initial reviews. What advice would you have for somebody who's just trying to get their first 25 reviews? So in my opinion, I don't think you should do any marketing on a book until you have at least 15 reviews. That's my number. Maybe it's 25. That's a better number, but I say 15 at least. And the reason is the reason that books uh, is social proof, right? The best example I can give you for social proof, if people don't know what that is, imagine you went to a city out of town and you were walking down the street looking for a place to have dinner. On the side of the street you're on, there's an Italian restaurant and uh, you look in the window and there's six people in there and you can go sit down right now and you can have dinner. And it smells good, it looks good. But right about the time you're walking into the place, you, your, your peripheral vision kicks in and you look across the street and there's another Italian restaurant and there are uh, 150 people trying to get into that place. There's a line around the block. So here's what happens in your brain. Your brain says, huh, why are 150 people trying to get into that restaurant and I can walk into this one? That's social proof. Okay. Same exact thing happens when people go to Amazon or, or any other place to buy something. They are looking to get validation from other people. And your brain says, well, if there's a thousand reviews here that are good, everyone else has already validated that this is good quality. So it's easier for me to make a purchasing decision just based upon that fact. And that's why social proof is powerful. And that's why it works for reviews. Amazon bookstores, the retail bookstores, if you go into, if you've ever been into one, I've never actually been in one, but I've seen the photos. They have end caps on when you walk in there and they say like most reviewed books or highly reviewed books of, you know, 2019 or 2020, because our brains want that validation. That's why reviews are so important. I couldn't agree more. In fact, we did a whole episode just on social proof. For those of you who want to go back and find it, it's episode 229 and an episode on Amazon brick and mortar bookstores, episode 141, uh, where that is exactly what they do. They work that social proof in because it's like catnip. It works on us in a subconscious way. We're not usually thinking, oh, this must be better because it has more people. Maybe we are, but often just subtly, we just feel safer with the crowd rather than standing on our own. And no one wants to be the guy who read the book and, you know, got schnookered, right? Or it, it turned out to be a bad book. And even just a handful of reviews really do make the book feel safer. So whether it's 15 or 25 or even just one, like there's a world of difference between zero reviews and one review. And so what are some of your tips for getting those initial reviews? So yeah, the old way to do it would be the friends and family, but Amazon has sniffed that out, right? They link up to your social media accounts, and if your mom left a review, it's probably going to get removed, right? So you know you can't really go that route any longer, and it's kind of disingenuous, to be honest, right? But the best way to get your initial set of reviews, in my opinion, 
is to work with a, an ARC reader list, an advanced reader copy list. So if you have not built one of those yet, you need to start building one of those. And the way that you do that is you offer your book as an ARC version to people specifically in exchange for a review when the book is out, right? So I did this with Unskippable, my book, last summer. My goal was to get to 100 reviews in like three months, which is very difficult to do, right? I mean, even a great book, it's, it's difficult to get a lot of people to read, uh, to leave reviews on books. So I'm currently at, I think, 102, which is in like eight months or something. It, took a, it was very hard to get. So here's what I did. I created a book funnel page for it. If you don't know what book funnel is, it's a way to distribute your book to people for free so they can download it um, without having to pay for it. So I created a book funnel page for the book. And then I went out to uh, social media, to people I knew. Um, and I said, hey, look, I want to give you an advanced reader copy of my book. But here's, here's the difference. Like you, you shouldn't just send people a link and say, hey, download the book and please leave a review. You got to be a little more organized than that. What you want to do is you want to make it into a clear exchange. And this is not against Amazon terms of services, right? You are just saying, I'm giving you a copy of my book. If you would like to review it, I would appreciate it that you did. So, and, and here's the key to the whole thing. Set a deadline. Okay. One of the worst things you can do is just go, Hey, here's my book, review it. If you get to it, right? <laughs> People respond to deadlines. Say I'm asking here, here's the goal I'm trying to get to. I'm trying to get to hundred reviews. I'm only going to do it with your help. Right. And I would like to get those by two weeks from today or whatever that number is. Don't make it a month. Don't make it six months. Make it like, you know, 14 days, a reasonable amount of time to be considered that a person could actually sit down and read your book and review it. So that's what I did. I said, and here's another cool technique that Courtney Kinney actually told me, a um, very prolific um, uh, book marketing person. She said, make a uh, calendar event for it. So what I did is I went into my Google calendar and I created an event called a review unskippable day. Okay. And it was two weeks ahead and every single person who agreed to be an advanced reader copy of my book, I put into as guests of my event. So it added to their calendar, right? So when the two weeks came up and I had, uh, you know, 180 people who had agreed to get the book, it showed up on their calendar that day. And it's, it reminded them to go leave a review. And it had a link to the Amazon page in there. And that really helped. I love that as a strategy. And I will say, if you're using this strategy, it's really important that you're careful with what kind of reviewers you get. I feel like this is a particular tr uh, challenge for traditionally published authors. I was observing one author and his traditional publisher gave him a cover that didn't quite match the genre of his book. And then they gave out ARC copies to a bunch of readers of the wrong genre. <laughs> so they're reading the book, expecting X, and they end up getting Y. And his initial reviews were like a lot of two and three star reviews. And it was completely unnecessary because 
because he was having the wrong people review his book. And and so just be careful about that and make sure you're and this goes back to covers. You know, like how do covers relate to reviews? Well, the cover makes a promise as to the genre and the content of the book. Because an arc reviewer, like Jim, you're sending out your book Unskippable, it's a business book, and it you know very much looks and feels like a business book. And and so pe- people are expecting that, which means they're going to leave a review having come in with the right expectations. Whereas if it looked like a fantasy book, people are like, this is a boring business book. This wasn't what I thought it was. And they leave you a negative review. So your cover, we keep har- harping on this, but your cover affects everything, even what kind of reviews that you get. Agree. So uh, what are some mistakes that you see authors making when they uh, leave reviews or, or seek out reviews? Well, not asking enough, not being personal enough, right? I mean, you wrote something that's near and dear to your heart. You know, if people liked it, ask them for it. You know, this is a problem for a lot of people because they're not marketers. They're not salespeople. And they and a lot of people are introverted. A lot of writers are introverted. And they don't like, you know, asking, right? But when you get out of that mindset in your head, I mean, all you're doing is saying to people, I wrote something that I think I, you really enjoyed or was helpful I'm just asking, would you, you know, help me write a personal note, right? So ask more, um, set deadlines more. Those are two really amazing ways to start getting more reviews. Be real clear about what you're looking for. I'll say one way that's really easy to ask for reviews. So we're talking about the asking if you give them a, a free copy ahead of launch, asking at the end of the book. Another really good place to ask is after somebody sends you an email thanking you for your book. And they're like, hey, thank you so much for your book. I really enjoyed it, right? The fan mail. We all love getting that fan mail. Well, write a personal response back and answer whatever questions they have, right? Have that engagement. And then you can add a PS or a line at the end be like, oh, by the way, you know, I'm glad you enjoyed the good book. Would you please leave me a review on Amazon? Or would you please leave me a review on Goodreads or wherever? And you know that personal response combined with that email from somebody who's already a fan of yours, I've had about a 50% success rate in getting reviews on that kind of request, which is higher conversion rate than I've gotten on any other kind of ask that I've ever sent out. And it's hard, right? It's psychologically hard to make that ask. But this is somebody who often they're like, oh my gosh, I'd be honored to leave a review. That's often their answer. And you're like, then why didn't you leave a review already? <laughs> but that's not how people think. Well, I'll give you another guerrilla tactic one that has really been working well for me, and I don't believe anyone else has ever done this or is doing this. I mentioned it briefly earlier. I put my cell phone number at the end of every book, and I literally ask people to text me. And people are like, are you crazy? But here's the truth. Just because it's in there doesn't mean everybody does it. But the people who do you wouldn't believe it. I get uh, notes all hours of the day from people all over the world. Jim, I just finished reading Unskippable. It was awesome. And and then I have a conversation with them. And then guess what I say after I have a conversation with them? Hey, I really appreciate you texting me. Would you go leave a review right now? And they're like, <laughs> of course I would. Right? So we've become this world where, you know, as business people, as authors, we, we want to be in this like shell where we're like, oh my God, I couldn't give people out my phone number. What happens if people call me? Guess what? That's a good thing, right? <laughs> Who cares if they call you? Who cares if they text you? I got no problem with it. Everyone should call and text me right now, right? My number is 216-236-8294, right? Go ahead and text me. 
and I'll have a conversation with you. I got no problem with that. How hard is, is that for me when I'm sitting at a stoplight or in a doctor's office or whatever? I'm building relationships with my readers. And, and by the way, that's what they want. They want the inside access. They want to be able to communicate with the author of the book and the people who, not everybody, but the people who do, they love that. And when you, when you open yourself up that way, you create true engagement with somebody, and that's a great way to get reviews. And lifetime readers, by the way. That's right, because that one-on-one -on -one engagement, you know, you may exchange four or five texts with somebody. It's not a huge impact, but now you've moved them from maybe a casual fan to a hardcore fan, and you, you, know, you do that every day for a year. That's 300 hardcore fans. You do that for a little while. Suddenly, you have your 10,000 true fans is all you need to, you know, to live a very happy life. And it, um, you may be like, oh, I'm afraid it scales. You know, I don't know if that'll scale. It's like, just try it and see how often you get texted. I, I've only seen a handful. You're the, the first I've heard of who says text me. I, I've seen a few business books who kind of have a customer support line at the end uh, to start that conversation. But it's very, very rare. And I don't think I've ever seen it in fiction. I actually have a newsletter right now that I just started in 2020. Um, it's called the S. You can't, I'm not going to say the word. It's S. You can't skip. Right. Newsletter. And the whole premise of the newsletter is I send it every Sunday. And you, the only reason you're allowed to be on the newsletter is if you text me after and we have a conversation about what I wrote. <laughs> so right now I have a couple hundred people on the list because I just started it. And it goes out every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. And people read it. And then over the next 24 to 48 hours, I get people texting me and saying, that was a great piece today, Jim. Thank you. Well, here's my experience with that. You know what I'm doing? I'm building engagements and fans by communicating with people one-to-one. -one. And the reason texting works so great is because, you know, that's pretty much all people are really capable of doing nowadays. You know, I mean, people don't like talking on the phone anymore. Uh, email is fine, but it's still cumbersome. People are very open to the fact that they could just send a quick text. And that's why I believe the texting aspect of this really works. If you're writing vampire books or romance books or whatever, I would highly suggest you give this a shot and just see what happens. And if you're scared giving out your actual uh, cell phone number, you can always create a free Google Voice number that redirects the text to your cell phone. Well, now you're giving away secrets. That's what I did. <laughs> right? Obviously, I didn't give away my cell phone, my personal cell phone number, because that's my personal line. So I just created a business line, Google Voice. And the great part about that is there's a Google Voice app. So all the texts just come right through the app. And then there's actually a web interface, too, as well. So if I got my browser open, I could just respond right through a web page. And I will say, for those of you who called in our listener helpline, you know what powers the listener helpline? Google Voice. It turns your uh, voicemails into MP3s that I can then play on the air. That's where the questions come from. And Google Voice, I believe, is still a free service. So it's yep. voice.google.com for any of you who want to check that out. Uh, Jim, what are some aspects of getting Amazon reviews that you had to learn the hard way? What were some like thing, pits you fell in that you want us to avoid? Um, I think the biggest thing is that's moved the needle I already mentioned, which is asking for deadlines and being proactive about all of that. Um, I think those are probably the biggest things. Okay. What are your thoughts on Amazon reviews as opposed to Goodreads reviews? Do you push Goodreads reviews as a part of your process or do you ignore Goodreads? Uh, I don't bother with Goodreads reviews. I, I, my approach is please leave a review wherever you purchase the book, right? 
I want everyone to review at Amazon because the Pareto principle says that over 90% of my sales come from that retailer. So I want, you know, most of my reviews from that one place. So I, I don't even tell people. I'm like, look, if you want to leave a review, just do it wherever you did, wherever you bought it. And usually that's Amazon. All right. And what tools do you recommend uh, for getting more reviews? This is what we call a softball question. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, obviously I own authormarketingclub.com. We've got a tool called the uh, Reviewer Grabber. And uh, basically all it does is you go in and you type in, like, let's say you wrote, uh, you know, a Bigfoot romance book, right? So you go in and you, you search for other books in the Bigfoot romance genre. And what the Reviewer Grabber does is it looks for people who have left positive reviews on similar books and it grabs their uh, contact information from the profile. Now, Amazon got rid of that information uh, years ago now, but there's still some information that they do provide, like social media channels and things like that. So there is some information you can still get from them, and that's a great tool to uh, find uh, potential reviewers for your book. Because the Pareto phenomenon, which you talked about, which is also known as the 80-20 review, uh, rule, doesn't just apply to where people buy your books. It also applies to the kinds of people who leave reviews. So the kind of reviewers you're identifying through a tool like that are those 20% of reviewers who leave 80% of the reviews. And it's a lot easier to get one of those people who are already in the habit of writing reviews, or at least have found the leave a review button on the page. <laughs> They've taken that one step. Uh, it's much easier for them to leave another review than it is to get somebody to move from having never left a review before to having left their first review. Yeah, you, getting into the education business is, you know, is tough. Like, I was at Ronald Reagan said, uh, if you're explaining, um, you're, you're losing, right? In politics, right? It's the same thing in any type of business. If you have to explain to people how to do something, it's much harder to sell to them. That's very good. So where can uh, our listeners find out more about you? Um, if you just go to beunskippable.com, it's easier than spelling my name, beunskippable.com, takes you to my website, and uh, all my information is there. Uh, my audio book will be up soon, hopefully by the time this goes up, and uh, um, that's it. Everything's there. All right. I can't wait to listen to the audiobook. I have an audiobook-only policy that I've held to fairly strictly for the last couple of years, but uh, I'm really looking forward to listening to Be Unskippable, and we'll have links to that in the show notes. Just scroll down. We'll not only have links uh, to that, but also uh, Jim's podcast, the Unskippable podcast, and the Author Marketing Club, if any of you want to check that out and take advantage of those tools uh, for reaching out to reviewers directly. Uh, Jim, do you have any final tips or encouragement? Um, yeah, guys, you know, look, have a personal conversation with your readers. Stop being so walled off. You know, you're not Stephen King. <laughs> you're not uh, Patterson. You know, you're not going to get a million people who are going to try and text you or contact you. And most of the people here are probably people who are just getting started or who have a, maybe have a very nice, successful speaking business and you have tons of readers. Let them in. Let them be part of your world, even if it's through a text message or something. Give them an easy way to build a connection with you, and that will pay off for you in the future for sure. I love that. Be nice unto your readers if you want them to be nice unto you. Jim Kukul, thank you so much for joining us today on the Novel Marketing Podcast. Hey, it's my pleasure. Big fan of the show, and uh, keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. 
Would you like help putting into practice the things that you're learning on this podcast? Well, we have something for you. You can get personalized interactive training and encouragement from me and a small group of other masterminds. That's right. We have openings in the Novel Marketing Mastermind groups. Once you join a Novel Marketing Mastermind group, you get access to the Mastermind exclusive Slack channel and a monthly Mastermind video call with me and the other masterminds where we get to know you, get to know your book, and help you take the next steps toward success. It's taking the next steps that is the most important, not getting overwhelmed with the whole journey. And as of this recording, the fiction pre-published group is sold out, but there are still open slots in the podcasting mastermind group for people who are wanting to start a podcast, the published author mastermind group, and the pre-published nonfiction group. So we have specific groups for specific kind of authors. You can find out more at authormedia.com slash mastermind. We run the whole thing through our Patreon page. So you can um, sign up at patreon.com as well. Speaking of patrons, our featured patron is Jennifer Lamont Leo, author of You're the Cream and My Coffee. In 1928, small town woman Marjorie Corrigan travels to Chicago and thinks she sees her love believed killed in the Great War, alive and well. Suddenly, everything in her life is up for grabs. So thank you, Jennifer Lamont Leo, for being a patron of the podcast. And if you'd like to become a patron, you can find out more at authormedia.com. And if you want to help the show and can't afford to be a patron, you can still help and just leave a review on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. Last week, my wife and I broke down and started shopping for a minivan. <laughs> That's right. We have decided that we need to become a minivan family with two little ones in two different car seats. They just don't fit in my Kia Soul. The car that seemed so big when it was just the two of us now feels so small when it is the four of us. And I will tell you, a two-baby stroller is no small thing to try to squeeze into a small car. And, you know, there's a lot of resistance to getting a minivan. In fact, this is something we've really had to negotiate. You know, we feel like we have to get one of those bumper stickers that says, I used to be cool, and put it on the back of the minivan because there's such a stigma to uh, owning a minivan van that you're kind of surrendering to suburban life so to speak but there's a lot of advantages to having a minivan and when you have kids it really is nice to have those sliding doors where you can wrangle the child into the car seat it's a little bit like wrestling an octopus for those of you who have ever tried to strap an uncooperative toddler into a car seat it is not easy <laughs> or to get a sleeping baby out of a car seat is also not easy and so being able to get closer to the car seat really does make life easier and of course having the stroller in the car makes life easier as well and you know what we had to do is get to the point where our value of those things, of the convenience of having a minivan, superseded our value of looking cool <laughs> and driving around in a, you know, not a mom car, so to speak. And I think that there's a similar process that happens for a lot of authors, especially authors who are thinking about going indie, right? Like you are thinking about going indie, it makes sense. You're entrepreneurial, you're driven, you're motivated, and the traditional publishing world isn't opening up any doors for you, but you think you could go and open up doors for yourself. And yet what keeps people back often from taking that plunge of going indie is the stigma. They feel like they won't have the respect if they're independently 
published. And what uh, you don't realize is that you don't really get that much respect for being traditionally published. I am not getting any respect for driving around in my yellow Kia Soul. If anything, people look at me sideways for driving a yellow car. And sure, there's respect that you get from being a best-selling author. And that's nice, but the reality is most readers have no idea the name of the publishers of any of the books that they read. And so we put all of this stock into a claim when in reality we should be putting stock into blessing our readers. And if you can uh, bless your readers best by writing a book independently, then write the book independently. If you can do it best by writing the book traditionally, write the book traditionally. I don't have anything against traditional publishing, um, but for a lot of authors, it's just not the right fit. So if you are hesitant for that reason, I would encourage you to take the plunge because life really is easier with a minivan, or at least I hope it's going to be easier. We haven't yet found a minivan we're ready to buy. <laughs> You've been listening to Thomas Umstead Jr. and Jim Kukrell, a special guest, Jim Kukrell, on the Novel Marketing Podcast, giving you innovative ideas on how to promote yourself and your writing offline, online, and everywhere in between. Thanks for listening.